This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey there, how's it going everyone? Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Michael Remus in here hosting for Hustler on his way back from Vegas after the Super Bowl uh, championship parade, well, his personal parade for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs winning. Anyways, uh, pumped to be here. Great show. We're looking forward to touching on the Jets and the Kraken. Uh, We have some trade deadline nuggets and CFL free agency. Um, A lot of guests coming up today. Going to jam it all in. Uh, Rob Simpson, Seattle Hockey Insider. He's up first. Touch on the Kraken, tonight's opponent. Also hit the Canucks a little bit. Uh, Another embarrassing loss for them. Uh, Dave Poulin of TSN. I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press will touch on the Jets skate. And John Hodge, CFL Free Agency, opens up and the Bombers did make it official signing Kenny Lawler. Uh, Greg Ellingson signed with Montreal. And we'll touch on some other stuff about Alouette's ownership being transferred to the CFL. A number of topics there. We are waiting. It is 1 o'clock. We're waiting here if Axel Janssen Yalby cleared waivers. Uh, I don't know who has it. If someone wants to write in chat, uh, Chris Johnston or Elliot Friedman usually tweet that out. Uh, um, anyways, Jets morning skate, highly optional. Uh, Hellebuck, Dylan, Dubois, Ehlers. Uh, oh, Ken said took the option. I guess they mean they opted out. Um, interesting note about Connor Hellebuck. He Bone said after the skate he was under the weather and might not play tonight, and it could be Dave Riddich. So looking at the lines, Connor du- just from yesterday, Connor Dubois, he, uh, sorry, Connor Dubois, Perfetti, Ehlers, Shafee, Wheeler, Baron, Lowry, Appleton, Manalainen, Stanlin, Kuhlman, Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan, Demello. Sandberg and Schmidt. And the healthy scratches tonight, Kyle Capobianco, Logan, Stanley, and Sam Gagne. There are some trade nuggets we want to get to as well. I'm just going to... Kevin Weeks with the the keep your eye on thread. And I'm a big Kevin Weeks guy. Uh, Jacob Chikrin still hasn't been traded. He sat out last night. Kevin Weeks says, keep an eye on Ivan Barbashev. That's a name that we have mentioned here on this program. Ken Weeb, a couple weeks ago, he said it could be a first-round pick. That's what Kevin Weeks is reporting, or a second and a prospect. Everyone here is on the Timo Meyer train. Um, Although he was not, the Jets were not mentioned. Kevin Weeks reporting Timo Meyer. Uh, The Devils, Knights, Canes, and Maple Leafs had significant interest in acquiring the San Jose Sharks forward. That is according to Kevin Weeks. And Kevin Weeks also says, keep an eye on the Rangers. He thinks they could get a third pick or a prospect in a trade for a young forward, Vitaly Kravtsov. And another player being sat out for precautionary reasons, uh, Gavrikov from the Blue Jackets, who's been among the top on the trade targets. He's going to take a seat uh, for uh, precautionary. And shout out to Moose. Three in chat. Moose three reporting today, just a second ago. Everyone clears waivers. 
Uh, two players from yesterday clear is what he wrote 33 seconds ago. So we are sitting here refreshing, getting that information. So Axel Janssen, Fialbi, sounds like he'll be, I guess, assigned to them. We'll have to wait and see what's official, but he did clear waivers. So, yeah, Billick tweeting it as well. Thank you, Russ Lowen. So we'll wait to see what happens with him. He cleared. And the Jets can, you know, breathe a sigh of relief. Rick Bonus. I think I said off the top of the show yesterday that he said we didn't, his quote was, we didn't have to do this, which is incorrect. They did have to put a player on waivers. Um, but his quote was, we didn't want to do this. They're fans of Axel, but they had a lot of forwards with Appleton coming back. And that means Dylan DeMello returns tonight after a three-game absence. Um, it was, so I put a poll in the chat. Before we touch more on the Seattle Kraken, we're looking forward uh, to talking with Rob Simpson. Andrew Ladd made headlines yesterday on social media. Uh, tweeting out a picture of Dustin Bufflin in full hockey equipment. I think Ladd was having a charity function that included a game, and he tweeted this picture of Big Buff in full hockey equipment. I I saved the picture, put it up on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk social medias. I think that's one of the most liked pictures I've tweeted out. Um, Facebook, ton of reaction on Facebook. I'm p- pulling up the picture on, on our YouTube. Ton of likes. You know, it, it's kind of funny. I saw uh, Stormy writing in chat. This is the player that screwed the Jets by walking out. But people love Dustin Bufflin. I think the fact is there isn't a lot of Bufflin content out there. You don't really know what he's up to. You remember all the positive that he brought to the Jets. The positive watching him as a player, how he would do things that nobody else could do. And then you also think, I think in the back of your mind, you think that maybe he could still contribute to the Jets in some way. I joked that he's actually going to be their trade deadline acquisition. I'm pretty sure he's firmly retired and this is just a fun skate, but you can dream. And I started thinking about all the, but all the headlines and all the reaction, if he, like, imagine it in another planet if he did play and they did sign him and he did make a return for this run. I still, you know, you think maybe he could make an impact. I don't think anyone is as physical as him anymore. So look at him. He looks happy. There's Andrew Ladd, ALAD16. Andrew Ladd, thank you for putting this on social media because it got an absolute ton, ton of reaction on the Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, and then even Hustler was like, hey, put him. You know, sign him, play him third pair, sheltered minutes, five games. He's in game trade, game shape. And just reading the comments, T. Well says the fan base would literally, literally explode. And I don't know what else, but amazing uh, social media content. That is why you love uh, social media, where Andrew Ladd can put that out there. Hey, if you are enjoying the show so far, I need everyone hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button if you're here live right now on YouTube. And if you're watching after on YouTube, uh, leave a comment below if you, what you think the Jets should do at the trade deadline. Uh, and also, if you're on podcast, uh, leave a leave a what a review, rate and review. That's what they call it, an Apple. They have that. It helps us in the podcast ratings. And hey, if you're on uh, you know YouTube, go subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever. If you're on podcast, come over on YouTube. Say hi. Give us a sub. All the engagement. With any of our content, hitting liking, any of that stuff, tells the, all the algorithms, hey, we got good content, and it's more likely to recommend it to more people, and it helps us grow. Well, the Jets are in action tonight against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Seattle 
I mean, having a great season so far. Third in the Pacific Division, 65 points. Uh, they're on a, in the middle of a road trip. This is their last game of a road trip. If you're on narrative street, hey, last game of a road trip, how are they going to do? They lost. They won last game against Philly, but lost three in a row before that. And I'm really excited to be joined right now by Rob Simpson of SeattleHockeyInsider.com. He also does VancouverHockeyInsider.com. And we'll take a good look at what is up with the Seattle Kraken. And then after Dave Poulin and Mike McIntyre, we can focus uh, more on the Jets. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, here's my conversation with Rob Simpson. Rob, how's it going? Thanks so much for uh, coming back on the show today. Michael, my pleasure. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're pumped to see. Get a first look in Winnipeg of the Seattle Kraken. You know, I look at the standings, and I think they're one of the surprises of the season. Second in the Pacific, 63 points. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year in the first season. There may have been inflated expectations because of Vegas's success in their first year. But, I mean, what's so different about Seattle's season this year uh, compared to last year? Well, it's just the additions that they've made. Uh, and obviously, Matty Meniers was a huge one via the draft because he's been an excellent player. And I, I think we'll probably be talking about him again because he's been a little bit dinged up lately. But then adding Martin Jones, who's filled in nicely when Phil, Philip Grubauer has been hurt in net. I mean, neither of them have un- incredible save percentages, but they've both been very effective in picking up wins and making the big saves when they've needed to make them. Um, Andre Burakovsky was another pickup. He's out of the lineup right now. And it could be week to week, might be a groin. Um, <clears throat> he's their leading scorer, which doesn't say a whole lot because most leading scorers around the league are in the 50s or the 60 points. I think he was at 39 when he went out. But that just gives you an idea of how balanced Seattle's scoring has been, that he's their leading scorer at 39, or he was when he left the lineup. And there's a lot of people jammed in there right behind him. So they're getting a lot of balance that way. Um, Justin Schultz, offensive-minded, right-shot D-man, another addition during the offseason. Oliver Bjorkstrand, another one. So it just essentially comes down to the talent, the personnel that that Ron Francis brought in. And as I mentioned right up the top, Matty Beneers, the rookie leading scorer, uh, a key factor in that group. Yeah, Matty Beneers, as you mentioned, a rookie, you know, leading scorer. I know Cole Perfetti's uh, chasing him down, but he's been injured, or he was injured after taking the, uh, I thought, a pretty uh, bad hit from Tyler Myers, or unnecessary. Didn't have the puck. Myers is giant. We all know him here. Went and it just shoved him, and he landed on his head and had to miss a couple games, but he came back. But it seems like he's kind of day-to-day again. I mean, what's the last couple of been le- weeks been like for uh, Beniers? Yeah, it was January 25th when he took the hit. He was, he was basically in the slot. He kind of twisted awkwardly. Myers hit him pretty good. He's a big man, as, as you know, as you just mentioned, um, and buried him, and he twisted to the ice as he fell. He bonked the head, um, went out two games, came back, played four, blocked a shot in Philly. Um, they blocked a few, sh- couple of different guys blocked shots and were hobbled late in that hockey game. Uh, and then they've had the day off, and now they're in Winnipeg, and he, he, I believe he's considered a game-time decision, so a day-to-day thing on, on Beneers. I don't think it's the head. I, I hope for his sake, and everybody would th- feel the same way, that, it's, that it's, not, it's not reverting back to the head. Maybe it's something that took place late in that Philadelphia game. But we haven't really had an opportunity to ask the, that question here recently. So we'll see what happens uh, when the game gets going here against the Jets or we get close to get going against the Jets. Yeah, Beniers, 36 points in 51 games, leading all rookies. Uh, Cole Perfetti will be in the lineup for the Jets. and He's got 29 in 
48. So that's you the know, Calder you know watch. Else, you know, it's key. Yeah. For your Calder watch, but also just, he, he's really important. Uh, he plays well on the power play. He gets special teams time, but also just, they play this puck pressure game. It's just North South transition counter attack. And he is an excellent, excellent four checker and just a catalyst up front in terms of just stick work and getting, being in the right place at the right time. So even though he's a rookie, he's a pretty heady player and and they noticeably missed him when he was out of the lineup. Dragon are coming off uh, a win against Philly, but this is their last game of a five game road trip. One and three as you know, yeah. they had their first, sorry, second three game losing streak, almost had their first four. He's called last game, a must win for them. Um, has their plague slipped a little here uh, during the road trip? I think what happened is the break crushed them. Uh, you know, they were rolling along. They had the unbelievable January. They had a phenomenal month, set all kinds of records, set an, an NHL record by being the first team in NHL or NBA history to win every single game on a road trip of seven or more. I mean, they went out east and swept it. They won seven consecutive games on the road. Um, they they came home from that. They won a couple of games. They they beat. They crushed the Canucks. They beat Columbus. They go into the break. They all boom. Let's go to Mexico. Let's go to uh, Hawaii. They split up. They all go to these you know warm weather locales for their bye week leading into the All Star break. And they came out of that needing to find their legs, and it took a little bit of time to find their legs. It it killed the momentum that they had. So they get shut out. Uh, the New York Islanders had played the night before, so they had kind of found it again. Um, shut out Seattle 4 nothing. The Kraken did not look like themselves. Got into a pretty good game against New Jersey on the Thursday night, two nights later, and actually probably should have won that hockey game. They outchanced them, outplayed them, looked like themselves, but just couldn't, couldn't solve Mackenzie Blackwood. It ultimately came down to goaltending. And then they lost the next very next night, third game in four nights. Uh, got pretty much smoked by the Rangers before they won in Philly. So I don't think it's necessarily like symptomatic of bigger problems. I think it was coming out of the break, the timing of playing the Islanders and just kind of that three and four situation. So I think they will be themselves against the Jets uh, tonight. Uh, I think it'll be a good battle. I think they will be ready to play and Winnipeg's going to see their best. I think this is not going to be a team that's, you know, stumbling around coming out of the break anymore. I think this is going to be a very good hockey game. And we saw good hockey games between these two um, in Seattle with the Jets' two previous trips. Yeah, it's been a couple uh, solid games there at Climate Pledge Arena. One player I wanted to ask you about, I'm looking at the Seattle Kraken scoring leaders, and this guy, Vince Dunn, uh, 39 points in 53 games, career highs. You know, I think when they selected him in the expansion draft, a lot of eyebrows were raised that they picked him over Tarasenko. Um, what, how has his game changed this year that he's had such a big breakout season? I think a lot of it is, I was, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Uh, I think it's just opportunity. I think it's confidence. I think it's how he projects himself and, and the situation that he's now in. I mean, he, he helped win the Stanley Cup in 2019. And he was actually a key figure, and he actually had probably even better offensive numbers even then than people would realize. But you had Alex Petrangelo. You know, you, got, you even had Jay Bomeister in there. You had a lot of veterans. He was a younger guy. You had Gunnarsson and Bertuzzo, uh, which, you know, those obviously those guys weren't going to necessarily big, 
huge offensive contributors, but he's surrounded by veteran D-men. And Petrangelo was definitely the alpha male in that situation. And I think Vince Dunn now is the alpha male in this situation. And he and Adam Larson have been an outstanding co combination. Um, Larson's kind of the same, same way. You know, you think about his background in New Jersey and Edmonton. He's getting an opportunity. They call him the big cat. Um, he's having that opportunity to be the guy. They're both having that opportunity to be the guy, and they're making the most of it because they are talented players that have had some success previously, and now they're having more success at this point. Um, one thing that goes hand-in-hand hand with that with Seattle is they've their man games lost has been pretty fortuitous so far this season. I mean, they missed Schultz for a handful. They missed Alexiak earlier in the season for maybe four, and then I think he was suspended for two. But otherwise, it's been a pretty healthy blue line, and uh, Dunn and Larson have been very, very consistent. Yeah, pretty solid group back there. Uh, moving on from the defense, I want to ask you about the goaltending. Seems like... Um, you know, last year, Philip Grubauer had a down year after leaving Colorado sign as a free agent. And this year, there have been flashes, but I'm looking at, as you mentioned, their overall numbers, both Jones and Grubauer, under 900 save percentage. Um, are there concerns about this goaltending tandem going forward? I, I don't think so uh, for now. I mean, I think they, what was it, Joey Decord, they plugged in for one game along the way. They don't really have other answers in term, and, and they don't need him, frankly. Um, I think they're very happy with what they have. Grubauer has some term left on his contract. Jones is here. This is it. So uh, it'll, that, that'll be a curious question as the season winds down or we get near the end what happens with Martin Jones. But he's, it's a pretty inexpensive duo, and it's a very experienced duo. When you consider one's 31 years old, the other's 32, they both have won Stanley Cups as youngsters. Uh, not as the main guy, but contributors. So they have that in their back pocket, and they put the numbers up in the area that means the most, and that is the W's. Um, like I mentioned, their save percentage isn't necessarily always fantastic, but they win hockey games and they make big saves when they have to. They're experienced veteran netminders who come up big in big moments. And when Grubar went out injured, Jones just carried it. He had an unbelievable run. He won one of the NHL awards for for the week or a couple of weeks because he just absolutely got it done. And now I think Gruby's starting to emerge here again as maybe the, the favorite guy to go to. So for head coach Dave Axtell, hey, great problem to have two veteran guys that are constantly in battle or, or constantly kind of edging forward ahead of one another uh, in terms of playing time. Yeah, Martin Jones, uh, his win-loss record, pretty incredible. 23-9-0, oh, and uh, I guess it's no test, but three overtime loss, 23-9-3. Yeah. Uh, pretty incredible. We're, we're counting down to the trade deadline a couple weeks away from March 3rd. What are the Kraken's needs, if any, or what are they looking to upgrade? You know what? I think it's just depth. Uh, probably you can you can never go wrong adding some depth along the blue line. Um Ron Francis made a kind of a minor deal just in the past what was it, 10 days ago, week 10 days ago. Uh, Jacob Magna, big guy, came in for a fourth round pick just to add some 
some depth. He's not going to be a game changer. Obviously, he's not going to plug in over any of the guys that they presently have that have been working all season long. But, you know, heading into the postseason, potentially, they just want to build up some depth back there. Um, they could always add another forward. You can always add a little bit more scoring. But from where they stand, I would think the blue line is is kind of the focus in terms of, of that depth. The, the, the weird little thing here is, and fortunately for him, Francis has two and a half, almost three weeks until the trade deadline, but he's kind of in a dangerous wait and see. And Michael, you mentioned the standings and, and, and since they've been updated, I mean, I mean, every day in the Pacific division, you turn around and you have, you're either in second, third or fourth place, just like that. I, it's just right now they're in third place, uh, two points behind L.A. because L.A. Won, has won their last two games. Uh, Seattle has had games in hand all season long. Uh, they have two in hand on L.A. They're two points back. And they have one game in hand on first place Vegas. And they are three points back. Seattle has has been in first place in the division as recently as, you know, coming going into that break. Uh, so, it's it's just it's a, every day it's something different. Edmonton's nipping at their heels. Calgary's not far behind. So look at it this way. Okay, so the Blackhawks are awful. They know what they're doing. They're getting rid of guys, and in their case, it's the if, when, and how they get rid of franchise icons. So they're in a really uncomfortable position. But we know what they're doing. Um, you know, the New York Rangers. They decided to go for it. They add Tarasenko. I mean, they're. GMs are making decisions based, or certain GMs can make decisions based on where they are in the standings right now and where they think they'll be headed and where they're confident they will become that trade deadline. Ron Francis does not have that luxury because they're in third place. They don't have a guarantee they're going to make the playoffs. Everybody's like, oh, my God, there's, they're the surprise. They're playing very, very well. They, they Look at them. Well, you know what? They have almost 30 games to play. And I don't think he wants to mess up this program that he's established over the past year and a half, kind of building out that depth, building out chemistry, and building out a very strong identity. I think he wants to be careful just how much he upsets that apple cart. And then more importantly than that is the timing of it. Like he literally has to wait until maybe the very end of February to go, okay, I think we're going to pull this off. How much do we potentially want to add here, right? I think he's kind of has to ride the fence for a little bit while longer, just given the state of the franchise, the state of the depth and the personnel, and potentially where they're headed. Now, if they can get some playoff gate and rock that building and they think they can get there, he might pull the trigger on a couple things, but I wouldn't expect. They've got about almost two million in cap space. I don't. I wouldn't expect anything gigantic, um, because I think they still have to wait and see. Another interesting team, like I was going through, kind of different examples of easy decision making. You know, Steve Eisman in Detroit. Just watching them pound Vancouver last night. Uh, they're five points out of a playoff spot, whopping number of games in hand. Now nobody's expecting. Detroit to make the playoffs. Most everyone, pundits and even the locals there have written them off for missing their seventh straight season. But, I mean, they're hanging around. And if they were to get hot, I wouldn't expect Steve Eiserman to go crazy and, and make some big move. 
but, but he doesn't have to. If, if he somehow sneaks in, it's a bonus as he kind of rebuilds this, this hockey team. And again, we don't necessarily expect that, but, you know, every guy, every GM is, you know, in, a, in this weird position, or not all of them, but some of them are in this weird position that it's not automatic like it is for the Chicago's and others. Yeah, even here, you know, it's talking with a logjam and moving places. The Pacific Division, we really haven't had that in the Central where it's been the Jets and Dallas kind of shuffling one, two, but there's a gap. And then Minnesota, now Colorado has made their way seven, two, and one in their last 10. You did mention but, Vancouver. And but Chevy, Chevy can be competent. Like yeah. his decision making is already based on we're in. Yes. Like he can't he can't take some pessimistic viewpoint as to say, oh geez, what if? He's got to think, all right, what am I? I'm planning ahead here. What am I doing? What am I manipulating if possible to increase our chances as we get to the postseason? That's I mean, his his decision should be, I would assume he it's made for him at this point. I mean, come on. So that's something Ron Francis can't do at this point. Yeah, we we've been saying here that this is time for the Jets to push the chips. All in. They've been going with this group for a while. Um, you know, guys are expiring contracts in a couple of years. So uh, we're fascinated to see what happens. One other team that's fascinating, probably for the wrong reasons, and you're close to them, in Vancouver with the Canucks. Another terrible loss, uh, 6-1 to the Red Wings. I mean, they make the coaching change. Hasn't really changed my mind. What can you say about the Canucks? I mean, how many guys are going to get traded here? And are they just accelerating the tank by making the Horvat deal early? <laughs> I, you know, the more and more we look at it, the more and more it's looking tankish. Yeah. And I was kind of joking around last night after they're getting smoked by Detroit, losing both halves of a home and home that oh. they're, they're 10 points above the worst spot. So, I mean, we've seen this before during garbage time, stretch drive for the teams that aren't stretching, <laughs> that aren't really in it for anything. Uh, I mean, if they start putting the other losses, Anaheim, the Anaheims of the world, the Chicago's of the world, um, you know, who knows? Vancouver, it's Connor Bedard. He grew up North Vancouver. It would be an absolute godsend. It would be unbelievable marketing. It would be, oh, just be unbelievable in so many different ways uh, if they could somehow land that pick. Now, it's not likely, but... Oh my God, it saves them a hell of a lot of work down the road if that were to happen. So otherwise, it's a mess. The organization is a mess internally, externally. Everything about it is a mess. And I'm going to be writing about this in the next couple of days because uh, there's other things going on behind the scenes that are as bad as the stuff you see on the ice. So um, yeah, they're, it, it's uh, not a good situation and, and they're just losing hockey games. And Rick Tockett, was pretty disgusted um, after this last one in particular and has been throwing together practices and he's trying to teach work ethic and accountability and get guys in shape because he doesn't think they're in good enough shape. He's cut Andre Kuzmenko's minutes dramatically, a guy that had been very productive uh, offensively this year for, for Vancouver. So it's a big, fat, ugly work in progress. Fascinating. Uh, what's going on with Vancouver? I can't look away. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to see what what happens. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I mean, Brock Besser, I think at this point wants out. I think they 
his agent, Ben Hankinson, has been exploring since the fall. I mean, Be Brock Besser's a guy, I remember talking to uh, Jim Benning when I first started covering this team early last year, training camp into the start of the regulars. He was trying to get rid of him then. So, um, and then they end up signing him to this three-year deal, six and a half a year. It's like, what? So, and now they're going to try to move that money, it, it appears. Uh, that, that's just one. I mean, Luke Chen's another that could go, could be a rental. I, you know, Luke's the kind of guy they would love to have back. He's a character guy. He kind of def has spent quite a bit of time riding shotgun with Quinn Hughes as a, you know, almost protecting him. They've mixed up those pairings this year. But, I, I mean, he's a guy they love to have around, but a team with in contention also wouldn't mind him having an, having him in a bottom pair as a rental here for the playoff drive somewhere. So that obviously exists as a possibility. So we'll see. Uh, it looks like they, they've hitched that wagon to JT Miller for the long haul. Um, he'd be the guy. Yeah. We'll see. Along, how... with, along with Pedersen and Hughes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. March 3rd, the trade deadline we're counting down. Well, Rob, uh, Seattle Hockey Insider, also Vancouver Hockey Insider. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I appreciate it. Michael, it's a pleasure. And uh, I'm looking for this is going to be a good hockey game. This will be a pretty intense, I think. This is going to be a good game, Jets and Kraken, uh, on the Tuesday night. There is Rob Simpson. Check him out on Twitter at SimmerPuck, SeattleHockeyInsider.com, and also VancouverHockeyInsider.com. I just saw a quote from Rick Tockett speaking of Vancouver saying uh, they have to go back to grade school to learn how to defend. Uh, what is what a situation there in Vancouver. That's a common phrase here at the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat. Well, uh, Dave Poulin, he's in the green room, ready to go. Hustler will have a couple messages, and then we'll bring in Dave for some, uh, and we can talk about the trade deadline coming up March 3. All right, here's us. Folks, the deep freeze, unfortunately, is about to go down here in Winnipeg. Is your car ready for it? More importantly, is your battery ready for it? If uh, you're a little leery about whether you can make it through a series of minus 30 lows, pop down a Manitoba battery, get a quick battery test to let you know how you're looking for the rest of the winter. And if you do need one, you'll be there shopping local, getting the best price in town on a, an incredible selection of batteries. If you know that you need one, just give them a phone call, though, or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com, and they'll deliver it to you citywide same day if you get your order in by 3 p.m. That's the Manitoba Battery difference. Great service from Donnie and his staff if you're down on Logan Avenue, and they'll save you time and money by delivering it citywide. Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. Don't procrastinate because the cold is here. Um, our friends at Consolidated Supply are not really thinking about the cold right now. They're more looking ahead to what summer has to offer. And listen, if you're in the golf industry, you certainly know what Consolidated Supply has done as the leaders in irrigation services and artificial turf. And of course, if you've got any need for a customized golf cart, they're the club car dealer in town and service the entire province. But in addition to that, incredible landscape projects are coming together for the summer, including beautiful outdoor kitchens and hot tubs as well. Consolidated Supply has it all. Joe Spicy and the gang are waiting for you. Open to the public. Pop down and see them. 1395 Niagara Road East. 
or check them out online at their newly revamped website at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, you still got a couple days left to nominate an unsung hero for our January award with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com and let us know about that person in your life or in your community spending a lot of time and a lot of effort to help others, whether it's extended hours doing charity work with one of the local charities in town, working within the school system, those extra hours of coaching, officiating, timekeeping, refereeing, so many people that do extra things to make sure that um, the show goes on. Send us that email, unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We have an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey for this month's uh, Unsung Hero. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 in the name of the WST listener that nominated the Unsung Hero to the Dream Factory. And Josh and Margot Morrissey are going to match that as well. And all, of course, in support of the Dream Factory, of which Josh is an ambassador for. And hey, just before we get to noodles, don't forget, if you're still dealing with being a little under the weather, uh, you got to pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. Incredible immunity products, natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, all at great prices, and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And battling colds and sore throats has never been easier right now with Colflex Oregano Spray, made locally by Inatech Nutrition. Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Huss doing such a great job. He will be back tomorrow on his way uh, returning from Vegas. Um, next guest uh, from TSN, Dave Poulin. He's been traveling all over uh, following all the games. Uh, here, I'll bring him in. Dave Poulin from TSN, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate uh, your time, uh, fitting us into your busy uh, road trip schedule. This is great, Michael. We can break down the football game and decide where Andrew went wrong or what plays he called that didn't work out or what he did to get Kansas City going at the half. Maybe he was the key. Who knows? Yeah, yeah he told them, hey, you know, just play, just score a touchdown on every drive or score on every drive and you'll be, you'll be good. Seemed to work out for them. I'm sure we'll hear all about it tomorrow, but we're back from the break. And I find it interesting because we talked with Rob Simpson just now. Seattle, they were all hot before the break, and they come out kind of flat. And I thought the Jets really needed the break. And I know it was Chicago on Saturday, but they seem to have a bit more jump at times. I know you wrote in the Toronto Star column about the break. Where do you stand on how uh, on you know the importance of the player break in the schedule? I'm a huge fan of it, Michael. I really am. And you know, I think that the benefits of it will still, you know, be somewhere down the road this season. But I just think the wear and tear, it's 82 games in 186 days. And there's there's really no rest period. The, the idea of taking it all around the All-Star game, so before half the teams had the break, before half the teams after, was that everybody comes out of it fresh. Now, there are some imbalances and I did the Montreal game on Saturday afternoon. Edmonton had already played three games and Montreal hadn't played and you get things like that and say, okay, well, how fair is that? But it'll all balance out. And I think the ultimate is in any walk of life, 
rested people perform better. And the demands we have on the athletes is so extensive and physical and, and mental. And I just think that opportunity to get away from it totally. And I would like to see another one. I put a little piece in the article. I'd like to see another one in early December. Um, and I know the importance of playing around Christmas because of the, the fans and the breaks and how important the gates are. But I could see an, a one, just a short one in early December. So play a couple months of the season and a short one, maybe four days for each team, split in two so you don't stop playing as a league, but everybody gets four days on one side or four days on the other side of a specific date and then play it out. And I know some teams, Buffalo is one that's come out ice cold out of this break, and they were red hot going in. Um, Tampa was another one. They're okay, but they were 8-2 and two going into the break. And so – I just like the thought of it. And I think the hockey we saw coming out immediately overall has been very good. And I think it'll get better. I think for the, uh, for the jets, they were, you know, they played more than every second day um, for two months and the break was very welcome for them. We are counting down to the trade deadline. I think this is uh, you called it crunch time here, these three weeks leading up, but you know, I want to ask when you were, a player day was there as much hype around the trade deadline it seemed like it's all we're talking about who's getting traded guys are sitting out is this what was it like uh, when you were a player is this a you know compared to uh, how it is today nowhere near as significant uh, without question now social media does a lot of that as well and by the way so does tsn with their trade <laughs> trade center and the show that we put together that day we we're just talking about that's an 8 a.m start for us and you know, we're on air till 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. And and you would think that day would drag. It flies by, Michael. It's unbelievable how the day flies by. And, you know, I have a little book that I do. I do it three times a year, but I do it right before the trade deadline that combines about maybe 10 websites into two pages. So if I open up the pages to the Winnipeg Jets, I have everything laid out in two pages, prospects, draft recent draft contract status for every player um, and then as the the new ones go in that day they go in with a green highlighter so that i can see who makes you know the most significant moves that day and it's a process i've started doing the book for this year obviously i really enjoy doing it it tunes you up and but back in the day man it was quiet and we were really good as a team and you always wondered about making significant trades. And in my years in Philly, to the best of my knowledge, I'd really have to maybe think this through, but I don't think we ever made a really significant ad at the trade deadline. It wasn't, just didn't seem to be as a time of year when there was as much done. Now, I was traded to Boston about a month before the trade deadline in 1990. And then teammate Brian Prop followed suit. He came over right at the deadline. So we were a team that made a couple of significant moves right around that time. But now with all of the hype and all of the preamble and sitting guys out and the chicken one is interesting, Michael, because I'm not sure there's not a deal done, but the money doesn't work yet. And as you know, days that you're under the cap, you accrue money towards the deadline date. And, and I, you know, I'm not certain that there's not a deal done. I don't know this, but it would make sense if a deal was done, but the money didn't quite fit yet. 
And so you had to accrue more days before you get to, you know, February or March 3rd, rather. So we'll see what happens there. And now Gavrikov, another one in Columbus sitting out and that may become the common trend. That's really interesting because they announced that he was sitting out Sunday and you thought, okay, well, the deal, I was like all fired up. I'm going to have a trade to talk about on Monday. And here we are on Tuesday and he sat out two games and, you know, we haven't, we haven't had a deal, but I think the rumor was LA was going to be that he was going to go to. And I haven't looked at their cap situation, but that would, that would make sense. I haven't heard, heard that theory. You know, one, one players were waiting um, to hear if they're going to get traded or not. Uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate. Um, you know, to us, you know, sitting here would be like a no-brainer. Wouldn't you want to go to a contender? But I think it's a bit more complicated than that. I mean, how much of a, how much of a, you know, do we underrate how much of a big decision this is for them? Rather than be like, oh, you're on a crap team, you know, go try to win, go somewhere that actually is competitive. It's a very big decision. I mean, both those guys have the pedigree. They have their legacy in Chicago. Of course, Winnipeg fans would love to see a Winnipeg native come home in Jonathan Taves after all his years away in Shattuck, St. Mary's, and then North Dakota, and of course, the Chicago Blackhawks and the great run he's had. But it is a big decision. It's a big decision for the family, too. And if you have a young family, and I've been in this situation with the young family, Part of me going to Boston, before I went physically went there, I wanted to ensure that I was going to stay. I didn't want to move twice. I didn't want to move for two months and then have to uproot my family again and go someplace else. So I extended my contract, actually, before I arrived in Boston for three years. And, and that guaranteed that I would be there. Um, in, with, with Patrick Kane, I thought his comments about Tarasenko were interesting because he was a little bent out of shape, it appeared that New York had gone ahead and, and done that. I like the New York move uh, to, to New York teams. Obviously, the one I'm working tonight, the Islanders added Horvat early. And the Tarasenko move by Chris Drury was interesting. And that big de- defense, uh, defender, uh, Mikola, that they got, he's a good player. Like, he's going to be a really good playoff. That was a sneaky pickup for Chris Drury. 6'4", and he's hard to play against, 26 years old, good numbers on his deal. So that was a sneaky pickup. But Tarasenko is the goal scorer, right? And isn't it interesting that he's ignited Panarin as a goal scorer since he's arrived. Panarin had four in the last game. But two teams in the Metro Division, both making significant moves, both in the New York area, you would immediately turn to Jersey and say, you're up next. You know, what are you going to do? Because two teams in your conference have added, or what's a Carolina going to do? I'll be in Carolina Thursday night and looking forward to seeing them play and, and sort of evaluate firsthand, you know, what my thoughts are and what they might add. So we'll see what happens there. But with Kane and Taves, it's a big decision. You think about a guy or guys in Pittsburgh that won in 2009 and then recreated that again in 16 and 17. And you don't get a lot of times where there's a gap like that. And you don't know that that Jonathan Taves, I think Kane has a little more runway in his game, if that's a fair statement. And, you know, if he wants to still play another three or four years, you don't know about Jonathan Taves. He hasn't been very public about it. He's arguably a more private person than Patrick Kane is in terms of what he might do. But either one, Michael, you talk about me 
there wouldn't be an open door. It would be a garage door welcoming either of those two guys into my organization in terms of their professionalism, what they could bring both on and off the ice, and what it would mean to your locker room to know that your management group went out and acquired a player like that. And I think that's a significant part of it as well, the belief in the team. And you'd have to argue, you know, in the West this year, it might be pretty open right now. I mean, there's not a clear-cut favorite in terms of, you know, it might be a year when you can add somebody significant and make a serious run. But back to Drury, one more point about Drury and, and Tarasenko. Chris Drury is a young GM. And he was aggressive at the trade deadline last year. And he added, of course, you know, he added Andrew Kopp. But he added Tyler Mott and he added Frankie Vitrano. But they were all really late, really close to the deadline, if not on the deadline day. And I wonder with his early move this year with Tarasenko, you know, they knew that Patrick Kane was interested. But I wonder if he was interested in someone last year, Michael, that went early that he didn't act on. And he said, this year, that's not going to happen. If I like somebody and we can put a deal together and they did with Tarasenko, Tarasenko had the hammer a little bit too, because he had no move clause. So he could dictate a little bit of where he went and hence what the return would be. But I like the move early by, by Chris Drury getting out ahead of it and also gives the lines, you know, an extra month plus to gel ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah. I always like doing it early. If you know, you need to add, because, yeah, it gives you an extra month of the player, as you said, and gives you time time to gel. Um, you know, we've seen two trades right now, and the Horvat trade and Tarasenko. It seems like, you know, the market has kind of been set when we look at a player like Timo Meyer, who's who's out there. And, you know, you mentioned teams that there's been reports that who Vegas, New Jersey, Carolina, Toronto could be interested. I mean, what is... I mean, it seems like the market, you know, what do you make of the market for Timo Meyer now that uh, we've seen the two big deals? Well, Meyer would be a chance. Here's what I would say. It's a little unique in that he's still a restricted free agent, but with a huge qualifying offer. So he's a $9 million qualifying offer. Now you could sign him to a new deal, hence bring that QO down, you know, to, to a more reasonable AAV. Um, but what Timu Meyer would do is change your team. So you're in Jersey and you got a really skilled group, but you don't have that big, strong power forward. You've got some smaller guys. Clearly Jack Hughes is a star. Yes, for brought, but you're thinking to what it might take to get through a specific playoff series. And you'd like to make a trade de facto trade to change your team, to become bigger, to become more physical. And, and you have a chance to do that with Timo Meyer. So, you know, it's not just acquiring a short-term rental because he's a year left. You could look to extend him, but you could essentially change your team. You know, you'd be, you'd be, be like a, an old-fashioned hockey trade where you said, you know, I'm going to move out maybe a couple of guys who are skilled but smaller and I'm going to be able to play off series against the Boston Bruins. And I think I'm going to have to be bigger and more physical. And that's what Timo Meyer would do. So I think Meyer presents some different applications in how he could be acquired and incorporated longer term with your hockey club. Yeah. It'd be interesting if you did acquire him and maybe you were turned off by the, or couldn't fit in the qualifying offer and then you flipped him 
again for something that you traded him for. So you know that's something to watch too. You know, you mentioned your your book that you've been keeping track of everyone. What do you have down for the Winnipeg Jets as a uh, you know as they approach the trade deadline? I go alphabetically. <laughs> I'm not to W yet, Michael. I still have two and a half weeks, so I haven't got there yet. I'm just, uh, I literally just started. So I think I'm four teams deep right now. I'm very yeah. methodical how I go through it. So uh, Winnipeg gets, they'll be getting a lot of love on about uh, the 1st of March <laughs> if I continue to do my homework. If you're, if you're Kevin Shevel Dayoff, though, I mean, You'd have to be interested in a player like Meyer or a player like Ivan Barbashev. I mean, where where do you think he's going to land uh, before as we approach March third here? You know, they've made some decisions. Obviously, as players have gotten healthy, as the Maple that Appleton's got healthy, they've made some decisions and who they've put on waivers and how they've structured it out. Um, it's a great question. I'm not sure where I'd add. I'm really not, and it may be. I'm always intrigued at putting a physical defender into a playoff mix because I think the rules do change a little bit. And if you think about Montreal's run to the finals a couple of years ago, man, they kept that space in front of Carey Price so clean with Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie and Joel Edmondson. Think of the mix and the combination physically of that group. If I had the chance, Michael, to plug another big physical defender to give me depth, even if it, you know, initially you might say we've got enough defenders that would intrigue me. If I were Winnipeg, like clear the space out a little bit more in front of Connor Hellebuck. And, and, you know, in some situations that's, that's going to be able to happen. I'd be intrigued with that. Well, Dave, the countdown is on uh, to the, to the deadline March 3rd. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and, Catch up again with you in a, a couple of weeks here. We'll chat again before that, Michael. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. There he is, Dave Poulin from TSN. Follow him on Twitter, DJ Poulin20. Uh, great. Thankful to have him uh, join us and share his insights on uh, around the NHL and the Winnipeg Jets. We'll touch more on the Jets uh, coming up next. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, the Jets, of course, hosting the Seattle. Kraken, but before we uh, get to that, Hustler's got a couple of messages and then we'll touch on everything uh, from the morning skate. Here he is, uh, Hustler. When you're talking about fan gear for literally any league, whether you're a Jets fan, Bomber fan, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Raptors, Jays, they've got it all. The best selection maybe in the country, to be perfectly honest with you, with everything there. And while you're there, check out that great Yeti section as well for those of you that spend some time outside. And make sure to check out their incredible selection of hockey equipment and skates, including perfect casual skates. Affordable, perfect for jumping out on the uh, on the river or some of the ice trails or ODRs. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Guys, if you uh, if the wardrobe needs an uptick, you know where to go. F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street. Andrew Parks and his great staff are ready for you. They'll get you sized up, fitted, 
and you can get custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. March more than just suits as well, though. Chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both to be worn tucked and untucked, and a great selection of men's accessories. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, don't forget the F Apparel special. Don't waste your time and money on uh, suits that you got or uh, tuxes that you got to return. Custom suits for the entire wedding party starting at 400 bucks, and you'll get a 15% discount for everybody when you get your suits at F. And another great deal for 2023 grads, a free shirt and custom shirt and tie for any young man in the class of 2023 when you get your suit at F Apparel. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. And of course, you can check them out or make an appointment online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. And uh, as I mentioned, I popped into BP yesterday after uh, the Jet game to see what was happening in that Ducks-Colorado game and was pleasantly surprised that the Ducks had three goals in them in the third period. But um, I'm always never surprised, but it's always pleasant popping by BP, uh, those world-famous Boston wings in a schooner to uh, maybe take the sting off a tough night in the arena is always good. And, man, those pizzas are delicious. Uh, Whether you're popping into your local BP this weekend or ordering online at bostonpizza.com, make it BP this weekend. That's a great job with the Reeds. He'll be back tomorrow and i do see some people in chat mentioning cfl free agency uh, gino lewis going to the elks greg ellingson to the alouettes we'll be touching more on that with john hodge of three down nation but first we're gonna talk about the jets and their game tonight against seattle the trade deadline and maybe a picture that was floating around on social media yesterday with mike mike mcintyre of uh, the free press uh mike thank you so much uh for coming on great talking to you Good to be here. Uh, I don't know if you can see. I've got Piper at my side here. She almost needs her own graphic. Uh, she right. And Piper, Piper McIntyre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, yeah, good to be here. Uh, this has been so uh, big on semantics. Here is this. Is this the end of a two-game homestand? Or a five-game homestand? Is it five? I'm trying to think. How many did they play before the All-Star oh. break? Uh, they played against what? Uh, who's it? Philly, Buffalo, St. Louis. Was that what it was? Yeah. So, so I guess technically this is a five-game homestand that was basically spread over like three and a half weeks with an eleven-day break in between. Uh, or was that a three-game homestand, the All-Star and Player break, and now a two-game homestand? I don't know. I got to figure it out because I should. I should make sure when I'm referring to it in my story, uh, my game story tonight for the free press, that I'm accurately reflecting what this was. But uh, maybe it's just semantics. Either way, uh, one more home game before the Jets hit the road for uh, what should be an interesting trip. But I'm on that road trip. Um, quick stop in Columbus, and then off to my favorite city in the world. I love New York City, and this is a fun trip And that get to hunker down for six days in the Big Apple, uh, kind of stay at one hotel and, uh, you know, near the subway line so you can get to New Jersey and, and Madison Square Garden and then Brooklyn where the Jets uh, will play the Islanders. But, yeah, it's, uh, they, they've got a tough Seattle team here who's coming off a big win, and who would have thought – when the season began, Remus, that uh, a Jets-Seattle Valentine's Day battle would actually be among 
two of the Western Conference heavyweights. But uh, that's what this is tonight. Yeah, I don't. And with the you know with the way the playoffs are, I guess if Seattle were a wild card, uh, you know because you know, the Pacific Division is shifting every day, you could could right. see this as a playoff matchup. But I agree. I mean, but, Seattle, I was pretty down on them after last season. They made a number of di- additions. They've all worked out, and they're kind of um, you know, they don't have really have a. They're scoring by committee. They don't have that you know superstar uh, right. forward. Although you know maybe Shane Wright and Matty Beniers can develop into that uh, going forward. But as far as the Jets, I think it seemed like the player break. You know. We talked with Rob. He said the player break came at the wrong time for them, and they were kind of flat out of it. It seems like the, the player break for the Jets was badly needed, and they did look uh, refreshed coming back, especially you know with, with the weather here too, but look refreshed in Saturday's win against Chicago. Yeah, and I think you know a player like Blake Wheeler, for example, who I thought had a really strong game the other day, obviously the two goals and, and a really nice assist on the Mark Shifley goal, um, you know, when you're 36 years old, uh, you'll take any break you can. And and let's face it, the Jets had played a, a pretty hellacious December and January schedule. I think when they broke at the All-Star break there, um, you know, Winnipeg was among the league leaders in games played. And kind of funny now to see that they're they're kind of on the, the lower end again uh, and they'll have some catching up to do and kind of a really busy schedule you know, they, they played tonight after a two-day break, one of the last two-day breaks that they have in their schedule. They do have another one, though, Remus, coming up later this week because they'll play Columbus Thursday, and then they don't play till Sunday. But after that, they're averaging a game every other day uh, right to the end of the regular season, and there's a bunch of back-to-backs in there. So I think the break did come at a good time. You know, we had seen the Jets play the overall quality of play, I think, slip a bit. Um, and certainly what we saw the other night coming out of the break, um, it wasn't a masterpiece by any stretch. There were some spurts. And let's face it, they were facing a terrible Chicago team who were playing on a back-to-back themselves. So I don't know how much we can read into how they played, but some rust was probably expected. Tonight should be a better test. You know, uh, Jets have now got a game under their belts and some practice. Seattle's uh, playing well off their last win. And, um, you know, the, the Jets should be amped up for tonight. I guess the one thing that will maybe potentially take away from this game tonight is the Jets may not have their A lineup because Connor Hellebuck may actually not be in net, uh, depending on how he feels in a few hours from now. But he skipped the morning skate and Rick Bonus said he's a bit under the weather and there's a good chance David Riddick plays, which would be interesting, Remus, because David Riddick's actually faced Seattle twice already this year. This would complete the uh, the sweep. Uh, a reason for that is that both other times the Jets have played the Kraken was in their building on the second night of a back-to-back. I swear, I haven't done the math on this. Uh, just anecdotally, does any team get more teams in their building playing on the second night of a back-to-back than the Seattle Kraken? Uh, Jets have done it twice this year, and it seems like every time I flip on a Seattle game uh, at home, they're hosting a team that played the night before. Maybe that's one of the perks of being a sophomore squad. You get uh, you get some added uh, softness to your schedule but in any case, uh, David Riddick is very familiar with Seattle, and I guess Seattle's familiar with him, and we may see him in net tonight. But 
yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the Jets look like uh, now with a game under their belt against a tougher opponent. Like I said, there was some good good portions of that game against Chicago, some not so good. Um, but I think overall, the Jets have to be pleased clearly where they are in the standings and they have a chance to to add two more points tonight. Yeah, second in the Central Division, uh, three points back of Dallas. They do have a game in hand. Right. And two wins in a row after that uh, rough sweat, rough stretch. So uh, things seem to be turning here. And you mentioned David Riddick, one and one against Seattle this year with a 909 save percentage, 2.54 goals against if he gets in the, between the pipes tonight. Um, uh, you know, the news yesterday was when Axel Janssen Fialbi placed on right. waivers. He did clear today. Um, what did you make of Axel, you know, being the one who's out on uh, the musical chairs? of the bottom, you know, bottom group of forwards there. Yeah, I mean, the writing was probably a bit on the wall when Mason Appleton came back into the lineup, and then we saw, you know, Axel uh, and Sam Gagne were the two forwards who sat the other night as healthy scratches. Um, I think in terms of those two, um, you know, Sam Gagne, obviously a guy that played his thousandth game earlier this year. I think the Jets you know, if they put Sam Gagne on waivers, um, there's probably a bit of a fear. Hi, Piper. There's probably a bit of a fear that uh, maybe a team looking uh, looking for some veteran help, um, you know, might might make a claim on him. And so, you know, they, they took a gamble, obviously, and the gamble paid off because Axel Janssen Fialbi cleared waivers today, um, which is good news for the Jets organization. It's good news for the Manitoba Moose, who are going to get a pretty good player with, you know, 40-something NHL games under his belt already this season. Um, that'll be a big boost to the Moose. And, you know, I think more importantly, it keeps Axel Janssen Fialbi in the mix here um, should the Jets run into some injury problems. And, look, this is a team that has visions of, of a lengthy playoff run. You're going to need more than 12 forwards and six defensemen if you're going to still be playing hockey, you know, well into the spring. And so I don't think we've seen the last of Axel Janssen Fialbi. And so, you know, good that good that he cleared. Uh, I thought Washington would very likely reclaim him, especially because they had the option of doing so and sending him directly to their farm team. And he's a guy they drafted and developed. They wanted to send him to Hershey out of training camp. And that's when the Jets made the claim. Um, so the Capitals took a pass today, which was a little bit surprising, but again, really good news for, for the Jets. Uh, and, you know, the fact is, Remus, that if the Jets stay healthy here and we expect David Gustafson to potentially be in the mix in the next maybe week or so as he works his way back from injury, uh, they're going to have a second tough decision to make. And, you know, whether that's Sam Gagne, whether that's a guy like Kyle Capobianco, who you know, they've obviously held on to all season. Whoever it is, it, it, they're going to have to expose someone else on waivers potentially here, again, unless they run into some injury trouble. And, uh, you know, that's just the fact of the matter. When you have a team that's had at 1.7 players on the injured list and then a bunch of guys step up and, and you know, take on uh, additional roles, guys like Carson Kuhlman, um, you know, Saku Manalainen and Kevin Stenland, who we don't talk about a whole lot, but, you know, there's a guy who's certainly made a real surprise uh, in coming up from the moose and kind of cementing himself in that fourth line center role. 
Uh, whether that continues once David Gustafson's back remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, it's the price to be paid, I guess, for getting back to full health. Yeah, you mentioned Carlson Kuhlman. Uh, Rick Bonus saying yesterday after practice that, you know, he had the right shot. And we know, you know how left shot heavy this Jets lineup is, uh, especially last year, um, that they need that in the, in the lineup. I will say to podcast listeners, um, you may want to tune into this YouTube uh, portion of the show. Where th- I'm getting mauled by Piper again. Yeah, yeah in a loving Piper's- way. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day. Love, love is in the air, Remus, on Valentine's Day. Piper wants to show her affection. Yeah, she's sniffing around with one shoulder, the other shoulder. Um, very nice display of affection yes. going on there as she sits uh, very nicely. People in the chat joking that you want me to shut up so you can you can go for her walk. Um, one one lineup change for tonight: Dylan Demello. Um, he's coming in. Are the you know going from the pairings yesterday? We're going to see Morrissey, Pionk, Dylan with Dylan Demello, and then Sandberg and Schmidt. You know, is it possible that we kind of underrate? what Dylan DeMello means and what he brings. This not a very understated player, but having, you know, for him, a, a pretty good year in terms of points. That second line pairing right now, Remus, it reminds me a bit of the who's on first comedy routine, right? Yes. Like, who's the Jets' second line D pair? Uh, it's Dylan DeMello. Okay, and who else? Well, it's Dylan DeMello. Yeah, but who's who's DeMello playing with? He's playing with Dylan. Um, so... You know, I don't know how long that lasts because obviously Dylan DeMello has been, he's been the regular partner of Josh Morrissey uh, this season. And I think we would all agree that that tandem has worked pretty, pretty well. Josh Morrissey's having a career year and you know what, very quietly Dylan DeMello is, is on pace for a career year as well offensively. That's not what Dylan DeMello's in the lineup for though, but he's kind of the perfect partner, the perfect complement to Josh Morrissey had a chuckle yesterday when, when Dylan DeMello joked that he's, he's been to two all-star games now, uh, at least in terms of helping his partners get there because, you know, Josh Morrissey this year uh, and before the Jets obtained Dylan DeMello in that trade, when he was a member of the Ottawa Senators, he was paired with Thomas Shabbat who made the all-star team. So uh, DeMello is the perfect complement. You know, he's not going to go right back to that pairing with Josh Morrissey. I know there's some analytics out there that suggests the Morrissey-Pionk combo has not been nearly as effective, and that's not Josh Morrissey's fault. You know, Neil Pionk, I think we can see it, um, you know, with, with the naked eye, but also the underlying numbers tell us that Neil Pionk has really struggled at times this season. I think part of, you know, maybe having him with Morrissey is trying to see if they can stabilize him a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see the flip at some point and DeMello goes back and Pionk and Brendan Dillon are back together. Um, Interesting that it's Logan Stanley that comes out of the lineup for Dylan DeMello. Uh, I think Dylan Sandberg, another Dylan, Jets have a lot of those. Uh, 50% of their blue line is Dylan in some capacity. Uh, but Dylan Sandberg, I think, has has really played well as of late. And, you know, it tells you something that he stays in and Logan Stanley comes out because I think we see Rick Bonus. he likes a lot of what Logan Stanley can do. And I think he really, you know, he talked today, Remus, which I thought was interesting, about a player he used to coach that we're going to see tonight in Jamie Alexiak. A big man uh, that Rick Bonus, when he was in charge of the defenseman, 
with the stars, you know, that was a protege there. And Jamie Alexiak, after some early struggles in his career, including going to Pittsburgh, um, I think he really started to take off with the stars. And Rick Bonus, I'm sure, had a big role in that. Interesting to hear Rick Bonus today talk about seeing some Jamie Alexiak in a Logan Stanley, but, you know, how that that's what they'd love Logan Stanley to potentially become, but there's obviously work to do. Um, you know, and I, I think what we're probably going to see here for the foreseeable future is, uh, again, a rotation, you know, where Sandberg and Stanley maybe alternate or uh, get a couple games each, and then we see some changes. Again, it all is dependent on health. And I go back to what I said earlier about another player having to be waived. You know, we don't really mention Capo Bianco, who's been the perfect teammate, a guy that's barely played this year, but puts in all the extra work after practice, stays ready, you know, never complains. I think the Jets love Capo Bianco in that role. I just wonder at some point if they say, you know what, we're going to have to risk exposing him to waivers um, because we, we, you know, have too many healthy bodies here. I guess time will tell on that. Uh, but yeah, the DeMello, you know, he brings so much stability on the blue line. I think he is a welcome addition back to the lineup and will really, you know, he really uh, excels in a lot of the things the Jets are trying to do. Be really, uh, really good defensively, but also some of the transition that that he can uh, assist in as well. Yeah, Dylan, I think he's, you know, he quietly goes about his business and I agree, you've seen him. In front of the net a couple times this year, he's had some misses, but also uh, had a couple goals, and they were hard to come by for him. But with this new uh, DR common mantra, uh, he's definitely been up in the play uh, more than we've seen. And you mentioned a change uh, on the defense pairs. One change that happened, uh, well, I think it was last game, but since uh, you know beginning of the season, we're saying, okay, Nikolai Ehlers needs more power play time, needs more power play time. And he was on power play one, but last game they went back to Blake Wheeler there you think yeah. this is a permanent change and uh, i mean they i thought they looked pretty good i know it was chicago but they looked pretty good uh moving the puck around on that five on three and then eventually wheeler did uh, tip in what was the game winners are we going back to wheeler on the right uh right side on power play one here yeah and i mean so the last game exposed one of the problems with being on pp2 is that you don't see the ice a whole lot and in fact mm. i don't think they saw the ice at all um that extended five on three uh if you recall um peter mrazik had his mask come off you know yes. well into that which actually led to a delay and then rick bonus kept the the top power that would have been the time to make the change he kept the top unit out because they got time to rest and then they scored and then i don't think the jets had another power play after that uh, so I don't think Nikola Ehlers got a second of power play ice time. And that's a problem. Uh, it's not a problem, I guess, if if power play one is so effective that, you know, they score every time they're out there so that the other unit doesn't see the ice. I, I don't think it's permanent. No, I, I think there were some signs even before the break that Rick Bonus maybe wasn't thrilled with Nikola Ehlers play in some aspects. And again, we forget that this is a guy that missed half the season with a sports hernia. That's not an easy injury to come back. And while he was putting up points, I think it's unfair to just expect him to be, you know, the old, the, 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 the Nick Ehlers of old that he was. Um, so he's taking some time to get back up to game speed. Um, but yeah, I think at some point, Nikola Ehlers is probably back on that top unit. Um, 
but uh, certainly the, the 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 number one unit looked pretty effective the other night. The power play has been a bit of a struggle for the Jets this season. I didn't realize until Rick Bonus said it today. I think the Jets have scored five goals against the Kraken this year. None of them at five on five. Uh, the uh, special teams have have dominated. I know one of the goals I think was a six on five because the Jets tied it late in Seattle that first game. But uh, they'll be looking for some more five-on-five offense today. The other change, Remus, that the Jets made in-game the other day was to put Mason Appleton back up on the third line. He replaced Carson Kuhlman. I think it was around the third period, and they're going to start that way. We expected that would happen. That was the line that Rick Bonus had penciled in, you know, before the season began. Barron, Lowry, Appleton – and of course, both Barron and Appleton suffered wrist injuries that required surgery. So we haven't seen that line a whole lot. What it really does, though, is the Jets now have, after all kinds of instability this year, who can forget the likes of Michael Asamont and Christian Reichel and Carson Kuhlman playing in the top six? The Jets now have a top six that is set, um, you know, two very potent offensive lines. And sure, you can mix and match maybe who's on what line, but those six players are all kind of etched in stone. And now you have an identity line uh, on the third line with Lowry, Appleton, and Barron, which really shifts the focus to the fourth line. That's where the that's where the battle or the intrigue is, I guess. Uh, and right now, you've got four players with Axel Janssen Fialbi going down to the Moose. You've got four guys in the mix for three spots in Gagne. Stenland, uh, Manalainen, and who am I missing out here because my mind is uh, distracted by my dogs? Uh, Kuhlman, of course, sorry, who I just mentioned. So yeah, Kuhlman, Manalainen, Stenland, that will be the fourth line tonight. Gagne's in the mix. Rick Bonus, I asked him yesterday if you see an ongoing competition, and he said, yes, nobody deserves to sit out for any length of time. So I'm sure we'll see Gagne you know, rotate with whether it's Kuhlman or Manalainen who can play both wings. But, you know, if the Jets could get a run here, because there's been so many line combos this year, mainly because of injuries, I think what they'd really like to see is to just roll out as much as possible, you know, the same, certainly in your top nine now, the same lines, and really start to establish an identity of course, all that could be thrown into disarray in just over two weeks from now with the trade deadline, should they go add an impact forward or two, and then all bets are off as to what uh, what the lines look like. It was kind of funny. We had that was the beginning of the St. Louis game where we had this, I don't know, balanced line approach, and it lasted yeah. you know two-thirds of the game, but then they put everyone right. back together and they had a worker. Um, they had a worker bee on every line. A worker bee with the skilled yeah. players. Yeah, but they seem to go back. And you, may, you know, it's kind of funny. You talk about the fourth line, and you do wonder if those guys are going to be regulars in the lineup. If there is a trade at the deadline, Kevin Weeks was saying today, uh, Ivan Barbashev. Keep an eye on him, drawing interest. And I know Ken We mentioned Barbashev months yeah. ago here. I mean, would you give away? See the Jets giving away a set, a first round pick or a second and a prospect. Or a player like that who could be on your his middle middle six. I mean, uh, where are we anticipating the Jets add here as we uh, get closer to March third? 
Yeah, I think a winger is certainly the priority here. I mean, we know their their strength up the middle. Now, of course, a guy like Timo Meyer, you know, there's talk of of, you know, and he's the big fish, but there's a lot of competition for him. Interesting that a name like James Van Riemsdyk has come up quite a bit lately. And that's a lot of that has been from Frank Saravelli, who to me, there's there's a lot of potential fire to that smoke. Uh, Frank Zaravelli, you know, he's very connected all over the league, but he's especially connected in the Philadelphia market. I believe he lives in Philadelphia and he's covered that team extensively. Um, and, you know, James Van Riemsdyk is a really interesting name. There's a guy who goes to the dirty areas, right? He plays the kind of hockey that Rick Bonus wants his team to, to play and the style. And, you know, he's a guy that would be a really interesting fit, uh, very manageable cap hit um and he's a pending ufa you know again names like max domi uh, is out there a guy we just saw this past weekend that we know the jets have long had an interest going all the way back to his draft year um barbashev for sure is an interesting name and i think you know we've already seen the the blues now trade tarasenko uh let me throw another name out there um Ryan O'Reilly. Now he's a center, but my goodness, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly would, would, uh, you know, give the Jets, I would say the best for, you know, one to four centers in the NHL. If you had a Dubois, Shifley, O'Reilly, Lowry. Um, and, you know, again, going back to that 2018 deadline, we know there's flexibility when they brought in Paul Stasny, you know, somebody could move to the wing. We've seen this year, for example, at times, Mark Scheifele played the wing. We know Pierre-Luc Dubois can play the wing if needed, and Adam Lowry could play the wing. So I wouldn't say that, you know, they, they would not target a center just because they have centers. Um, I think you, they should be targeting the best players that they possibly can. And as I've said many times before, to me, the Jets should be willing to pay whatever price they need to don't worry so much about the future live in the moment you know nothing has changed for me in that the west is wide open it really is i believe that more than ever and i believe that the winnipeg jets have as good of a shot as any team in the west of winning three rounds and getting to the stanley cup finals and yes you can look at the east where the jets do not have a good record and the likes of the Boston Bruins and say, how is anybody beating that team? You know what? You worry about that down the road. If if that's your biggest worry, uh, how are you going to win in a Stanley Cup final? Well, the fact you got there, you can figure that out at that point, right? And momentum is a funny thing. To me, the Jets have a legitimate shot at winning three rounds this spring, and they should be trying to do everything possible to improve their roster in the here and now and not worry so much about what it does uh, to the future. Uh, the future is now with so many question marks about Dubois and Shifley and Hellebuck and even to a degree Blake Wheeler. This is the time to go for it. And so, you know, from, from a guy like Meyer, and we could rattle off all the names we've talked about, Taze in the past, you know, O'Reilly, Barbashev, Van Riemsdyk, whatever. Jacob Chikrin even, right? I don't think the Jets are, I know there's been some talk about them. I, I don't know if the, if a big defenseman is on the, the wish list right now. Maybe it is. Uh, but again, I wouldn't throw, I wouldn't discount any of those names. If there's a move you can make to make the Jets a more dangerous team, 
I think you explore every possible way to make it happen. Yeah, you mentioned uh, we were talking about the Jets. Nine million in cap space at the deadline, according to Cap Friendly. They're saving up all this money for a rainy day. I think the deadline that rainy day. I'm curious how close. I don't know if we're gonna have like an over under competition. How how what's their cap space gonna be after March third? I mean, if well, you're the Jets, which one of these you think is most likely to get moved? Is it gonna be Billy Hainala, the one of the three prospects, you know, McGrory, Lucius, Lambert? Or is it a a draft a first round draft pick? Which one do you think is most likely to be on the move at the deadline? I think Villy probably because he's the most NHL ready of of those four players that you and even if throw the pick in, you know, Villy Hainala is the guy that's and and he's his numbers would suggest he's too good for the AHL right now. And so if you're a team that wants to move a big asset but you want to bring in something that you feel can help you, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that that certainly would be a part of a package that the Jets would be offering. That said, I don't think any of those guys that you mentioned, Lucius Lambert and even McGrory, I would be the McGrory would be the guy that I would not want to move on unless absolutely necessary. Not that I'm saying I want to move. I want them to move Lucius or Lambert. Of course not. Those are really exciting young prospects, but they carry value. And and you know they're a few years away from potentially impacting this team. And as I say, I think you have to live in the moment. I just think McGrory has some some intangibles. You know, he's the kind of player that um, uh, you know maybe a future captain around here, depending on how the the future you know rolls out. But, you know, he'd be the guy to me last on the list. And he he also might be the guy that right now, in terms of where he is and what he's done, maybe doesn't have the same value. You know, a guy like Chaz Lucius, I know he's got the injury history and he's now been shut down for the year. Uh, we're fresh off the World Juniors where he he had a certainly coming out um, moment, at, at moments, really. Um, you know, and so I, I just think to me, you you are – looking at all those guys as potential uh, chips that could help you in the here and now. Uh, and, you know, you talk about cap space, Remus, it's time to weaponize it. Like the Jets have been banking that space that puts them in a unique position. There are a lot of teams that will be envious of the cap space the Jets have. Um, and this is, this is the time to try and weaponize that. So, uh, it makes for a very interesting next couple weeks leading up to the the trade deadline here and what could and I would say should be a busy time of year for the Jets. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited for this deadline. What uh, what we're going to see, there was one, uh, you know, could this be a deadline acquisition for the Jets? We talked about a, you know, needing a physical defense. And well, Andrew Ladd putting out this picture yesterday on Instagram <laughs> of of Dustin Bufflin and hockey equipment. Really set social. I've never seen everyone so fired up on the Winnipeg Sports Talk social media. Posted it on our Instagram. I guess just likes people. You can see people forwarding it. Like our most engaged with picture, Dustin Buffon. Yes. I think it just speaks to Mike. I mean, how much, even though he walked out on the team and amazingly, you know, left so much money on the table, but people still love this guy. And it is fun to make, you know, jokes about possibly signing him and. Putting him in a what a third third pair D. I don't know what you thought of uh, the picture yesterday, but the uh, you know the just 
the love that this fan base still has for him, even yeah. if uh, he did leave them in a really tough spot. Well, and we got a we we got an indication of that. I remember, like, I think it was last season, Blake Wheeler's one thousandth, right? And yes. one of the one of the video recorded messages was from Dustin Bufflin, and I was in the rink that night. I don't think anybody, including Wheeler himself, got a louder ovation. And and Dustin Bufflin wasn't even in the building. It was just the video message. Uh, I still see, you know, I walk the concourse before games lots of times, and so many Bufflin jerseys. Um, yeah, he he left a mark on this market, I think, like nobody else has, certainly in the 2.0 era. And so not a surprise that picture kind of set social media blaze. And I'll say this, he looks to be in pretty good shape. A guy that, you know, wasn't necessarily known in even in his heyday of being, you know, this pristine Adonis on skates, like, you know, Dustin Bufflin, he marched to his own beat, right? Uh, he looks like he's, he looks like he could step. Now it's, you know, the, obviously the cardio and all that would be a real challenge. And look, I don't think Dustin Bufflin is, is anticipating a comeback, but uh, no. good yeah. to see, good to see that he's still uh, got a love for the game. You, just reading the, you know, where Lad says somehow got this guy on skates again. That tells you what I've heard, which is that Dustin Bufflin, it's not like he's working out on the rink every day. He, I think he's he, he hung up his skates and he probably hasn't touched them a whole lot since his retirement. Uh, but maybe going to see uh, an old friend and Andrew Ladd down in Arizona has, uh, has restored his love for hockey. But certainly there, there's no restoration required here in Winnipeg. Fans have always loved Big Buff and uh, that has uh, not diminished at all. Yeah, I do. I am fantasizing about like a, I said this at the start, like a dream scenario where he has been secretly working out for a return and and just thinking of the ovation that he would get because I'm seeing in chat right now, you know, we need a buff night. Fans want closure, but I wonder if you know that I have no idea. But if the relationship with the organization would be fractured, I would think there'd be some resentment after walking out on uh, on two years, but. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the fans still have that that love as we've seen over the last twenty four hours. I'll say this, knowing knowing a little bit about the situation, I would say it's complicated. Uh, yeah, put it that way. Um, will there be something down the road? Definitely would not rule that out. Uh, but I think you know, again, Dustin Bufflin, he marches to his own beat. He's he's among the most unique athletes we've ever seen in this market um and you know the way he left was classic dustin bufflin and i think you know for fans wondering why hasn't there been more done in this market or why haven't we heard from him i just go back to dustin bufflin is a very unique and you know somewhat complex individual so uh, perhaps one day um but uh you know clearly he's we know he's enjoying retirement. This is a guy that, you know, leads a pretty simple life, hunting, fishing, all that. And uh, he's got no shortage of that to do, but good to see him back on skates. Uh, but you're right, Remus. I mean, I'm a bit of a wrestling fan. I know you are too. Like we can, we can envision if Vince McMahon was scripting the, yes. the NHL, there would be like Dustin Bufflin's music would hit. And, you know, <laughs> oh. like... Stone Cold Steve Austin style with the glass shattering. And yeah, he would 
he would storm onto the ice, maybe with a pair of natural predators in each hand, like yes. just ragdolling them for old time's sake. And you would have a, a, a moment unlike any other. I do, you know part of this, you know part of this fantasy. I know got John Hodge coming. Part of this fantasy though has me wondering, like if Buff came back and he would be like the Undertaker in his last couple of years, like when him and Goldberg had that match in Saudi Arabia, where they were clearly clearly done. And I think you want to have those those positive. You don't want to see him like the what you know the, the old rocker trying to hang on to the right, to the glory right. days. <laughs> so yeah. And, and to use the Undertaker, would he come back instead of as the dead man? Would he be the motorcycle version, yeah. like the the biker version that he'd ride in on a Harley, and instead of like, you know, with Paul Bearer at his side, uh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> this Dustin Bufflin, we, you know, he, he hasn't played with the Jets for years, but he comes up in chat, I think, every day. And we did have that picture, which is why we're talking about it that Andrew Ladd put out. Uh, thank you, Andrew Ladd. And again, it's so much, maybe one of the most engaged pictures that we've thrown out there. So, Mike, great talking with you about the, the Jets and, uh, and tonight's game, trade deadline. appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to what you're writing about in the Winnipeg Free Press uh, coming up. You bet. And uh, I guess when we do this next week, uh, I'll be joining you from the Big Apple uh, as the Jets will be, I guess, uh, three games into their four-game road trip with one more to come if we do this next Tuesday. So looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, I'll be in touch with you. Thanks again, Mike. You bet. There he is, Mike McIntyre. Follow him on Twitter at Mike McIntyre WPG. Uh, well, you spent a lot of time here talking hockey, and but it is also CFL free agency. And I'm so pumped to have John Hodge of Three Down Nation coming up next. But first, Hustler uh, has got a couple of messages, and then uh, we'll bring in... Bring in John and touch on uh, today's big news. So here he is. Here's Hustler uh, first. Give a big shout out to our friends at Princess Auto for their great support, not only of Winnipeg Sports Talk, but the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, as well as some of our top Manitoban curling teams, as well as Jen, including Jen Jones, who I'm just looking at uh, Bridget and Phyllis giving us updates in the chat and a bit of a nail biter right now at the Scotties right now tied at six. Of course, Princess Auto also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Prince as auto check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit road or Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24, seven, over at princessauto.com. Um, our friends at Culligan water have been the go-to service for all things water for over 65 years here in Winnipeg as a family-owned business with everything that you need for your family business when it comes to water, softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 204-694-5180. And you can find out everything that they've got going on at drinkculligan.com as well online. And hey, the weekend is here. If you uh, plan to tilt one or two and you're maybe making a cocktail, if you're a whiskey drinker, you know the best is uh, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club. Right now, still a couple days left in January. Great discount on CC 12-year reserve right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And keep your eye out for the new Rifle Rye 
also from the Beam Suntory family, on for a great introductory sale price at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, Canadian Club, the official spirit of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll look forward to getting those CC and Gingers going again in the summer at IG Field this summer. All right. Hustler doing a great job there. And, hey, before we bring in John Hodge, if you are here and you are enjoying the show, please hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. Uh, and if you're watching on replay, uh, leave a comment below. It does help uh, tell YouTube, hey, we got great content here, more likely to recommend it to more people. But it is CFL free agency. I don't know if this was an anti-climactic day. It seems like we knew a lot of the, the moves, including the Bombers being official. They signed Kenny Lawler. but. I'm so pumped to bring in John Hodge to break it all down. John, how's a free agency day been for you so far? How's it going? <laughs> so far, it uh, it's tasted a lot like Red Bull and coffee. Uh, we're going into hour, I think, seven here of our coverage on three downs. So it's been a lot, but it is a lot of fun. It's one of the most fun days of the CFL calendar. It's uh, And fortunately, my wife was very understanding about it being on Valentine's Day. We celebrated on the weekend. So. Yes. Today's been uh, today's been a good day so far. Busy, and there's going to be a few more hours at least of uh, of busyness. But hey, for uh, for someone who makes his living covering the CFL, you can't get a much better day than this day because there's never a shortage of news to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot of fun. They had that negotiating period, so we kind of a lot of it being made official today, and most notably here, the Bombers introducing Kenny Lawler. Uh, you know, didn't have to work hard to get too many like photoshops of him wearing a bomber jersey after playing for Edmonton last year. But I mean, what do you make of what the Bombers have done? They did sign uh, Les Morrow yesterday. What was it after the show? It was Jesse Briggs? So I mean, nothing major from the Bombers other than um, other than this Kenny Lawler signing. And we talk about some possible departures after that. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Lawler to me is unquestionably one of the best receivers in the CFL. To me, he's probably number two behind Eugene Lewis. But honestly, I mean, between those two, it's a it's a top it, it's a toss up. You pick your poison. Kenny Lawler's a little bigger. You know, Eugene Lewis is probably a little faster. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's a game breaker. And obviously the Bombers felt strongly about getting him back. Reportedly, he's set to make two hundred sixty five thousand dollars this season that should make him the second highest paid receiver in the league. Eugene Lewis signed today with Edmonton on a deal worth $320,000. Lawler made 305 last year at Edmonton. So the Elks actually pushing out more money this year for a top target. I think it was clear, especially in the playoffs, Greg Ellingson was great through eight regular season games last year, came back post injury in the postseason and kind of disappeared. It was clear. The bombers needed another target and now they've got one of the best in the CFL. And they've got him for two years. On the books, I think the way the Bombers are making this work is essentially letting Greg Ellingson and Rashid Bailey walk. Greg Ellingson has already signed with the Montreal Alouettes. Rashid Bailey is still a free agent, though I don't expect him to be on the market for much longer. Uh, the, the fortunate part for Winnipeg is they've got Dalton Schoen back. The NFL window also closed today. That means any player under contract with the CFL through 2023 is now no longer able to opt out of that deal and sign in the NFL, even if they're offered a contract. Shown performed a number of workouts for NFL teams, was evidently not offered a contract. So he'll be back and he'll be making close to league minimum, which is part of what makes this Kenny Lawler contract affordable. I'd argue the Bombers uh, are going to have to do some creative math for the second year of this deal in 2024, but 
This is a win-now, veteran-laden team, and I think they're happy to wait to worry about the numbers in 2024 if it means they can win another championship in 2023. Yeah, and mentioned uh, you know players leaving, Rashid Bailey testing free agency, Ellington and Montreal, let's get to Montreal, but other players leaving, Michael Couture signed with BC and Casey Sales with Hamilton. But one note that we didn't know, Kyle's, Kyle Walters mentioning today, uh, Dakota Prukop, who was so great in short yardage, going to the USFL. I mean, what do you make of uh, the Bombers now needing a guy for short yardage and backup QB? Yeah, I reached out to some sources this morning, and I was told there was still a chance that Prukop would be back with Winnipeg in 2023. It no longer appears that way from Walters, reportedly at his media availability early this afternoon, saying that he's going to the USFL. I'm led to believe it's a complicated situation. I don't believe that Prukop has signed anything down with the USFL. I think he would make just as much money, if not more, in Canada than he would down south. But I think the issue for a guy like Prukop is he's 29 years old. He's bounced around to a number of CFL teams. He's been a member of the the Stamps, the, the Argos, the Elks, and the Bombers were his fourth team. And I believe it's four years or maybe five in the CFL. I don't have his numbers right in front of me. But clearly he has not been successful if his goal is to be a starter in this league. And so if he's looking to be the number one guy on a team. It was clear if he was going to be back in Winnipeg, he was not going to leapfrog. Obviously, Zach Kolaris and the, the team is still very happy with Drew Brown as their backup. So for him, I suppose if it comes down to the choice to try something new and be a number one for the first time in his professional career, I, I understand if, if that's the route where he wants to go. But again, nothing appears to be signed. And so we'll have to wait and see how some of this plays out. For the Bombers, though, they can't afford to sit on their hands for all too long here. Again, they've got, a, I think, a very nice one-two punch, obviously, with two-time MOP. Zach Kolaris at one, Drew Brown at two, who, outside of a couple picks he threw in his lone start at BC this past season, has looked very good in his young CFL career. A guy who, you know, we, we don't know whether or not he'll get playing time, of course, in 2023. That depends on how the team is performing, the health of Zach Kolaris, all that. But Drew Brown, to me, is a guy who is going to be a starter in this league at some point in the future. Still very young, I believe 25, though I don't have his bio up in front of me at the moment. Uh, if it comes down to it, though, the Bombers, of course, need a third quarterback. And I would imagine, like last season, they would want an athlete in that third spot who can do that short yardage and, and perform some of those special packages that OC Buck Pierce likes to install. So whether or not he's back, the Bombers will certainly be in the market for an athletic, preferably big-bodied quarterback going into 2023. Yeah, we know the Bombers love uh, short yardage and putting the backup QB and us who play fantasy CFL hate how they do it and just want <laughs> them to give it give it to the running back. Come on. <laughs> but uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Drew Brown, you know, he came in in that first game when Claris was taken up for a concussion and really impressed. A lot of people you know, weren't really sure, but his numbers last year – 33 completions, 50 attempts, 452 yards, five touchdowns, uh, two interceptions. I think the big story is kind of the quarterback shuffling of uh, CFL free agency. It's all made official today, but um, swapping Montreal and Saskatchewan with Trevor Harris going to Montreal, Cody Fajardo, Saskatchewan. Um, what do you make of the new looks of those teams with uh, with quarterbacks there? To me, the interesting thing about this move is just the way in which a narrative can change, 
right over the course of the season. Cody Fajardo at this time last year was a two-year starter for the Riders, had already won a West Division MOP award, was a guy who I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, he's 29, maybe he can find that next gear. Trevor Harris, meanwhile, was a backup at this time last year. There was no starting spot open when he hit the open market. He signed back with Montreal with the hopes of winning that starting job from Vernon Adams Jr. Now, he did it in week three, and he went on and had a 4,000-yard season. But, you know, he's he was 35 last year. He's 36 this year. I believe he's going to be 37 by the time this season gets underway. So it's funny how much can change in a year. Let's start with Trevor Harris. Now, Trevor Harris in Saskatchewan I think is a good fit. I think he's a veteran who is securing himself, who can, who can handle the pressure of being the guy. In Rider Nation, I would argue outside of, of maybe being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, there might be no more pressure filled job than being the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as far as professional sports is concerned in this country. You are in a goldfish bowl. You are in everybody's hearts, minds and eyes and Rider fans will turn on you if you do not play well. And that is something that I think Trevor Harris is well-equipped to deal with. He knows what he's getting himself into. He has played in Edmonton as their starter, so he knows what it is to play in a hotbed market. He was also the guy in Ottawa, which I think is is also a very good CFL city. Uh, So I think that he is well-equipped to handle the off-field stuff. On the field, I think he also does a fantastic job of getting rid of the ball quickly. We all know that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders struggled terribly to protect the quarterback in 2022. His ability to get rid of the ball quickly should make life a lot easier for that offensive line, provided that new OC Kelly Jeffrey can game plan around that. As for Cody Fajardo, I think Montreal is a great place for him because it is not a place where you are in that spotlight. Evidently, that is something Cody Fajardo struggled with at times over his tenure in Ryderville. I think being in a situation that is a little bit less pressure-filled, a little bit less in the spotlight is a great place for him to try to rejuvenate his career because let's remember 2019 he was not only the face of the riders but it, it almost seemed like he was becoming the face of the cfl and then all of a sudden he he, he fell off in 2021 zach Kolaris has had this renaissance and uh, fajardo has has needed to to recuperate his career somewhat so i think this is a good fit he's going to be paired up with jason moss again moss now the head coach with the alouettes was the OC of the Riders this past season. I think that there's maybe some things on the field they need to do scheme-wise to maximize Fajardo's skill set a little better, but they have a better offensive line than Saskatchewan does, and they've got William Stanback in the backfield. Stanback, arguably the best running back in the league. If he's able to take advantage of that, if Jason Moss is able to take advantage of that, I like this move for both sides. Yeah, that stand-back injury even the, was the first week of the season or very early. It was not ideal. For Montreal, Montreal making headlines, you know, bringing in Fajardo. You mentioned Greg Ellingson, but also uh, with this ownership, we had heard over the last week that they couldn't even sign anyone because of problems with ownership. Now we're seeing that the CFL is taking control of the Alouettes just before the uh, free agency went, uh, free agency opened. I mean, what what's going on here, and should we be concerned about the future of the Montreal Alouettes? I don't think that anybody should be pressing the panic button when it comes to the Montreal Alouettes right now, but this is another unfortunate chapter in the recent history of this team. This is a team that went without an owner in 2019 with the league controlling it. 
We know from the reports from the league's three community-owned teams in Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton that teams had to float a lot of money to keep the Alouettes chugging along in 2019. Now, they did find an owner, finally, in Sid Spiegel and Gary Stern in 2020 when that year started. Spiegel was 89 at the time, passed away the following summer in August of 2021 at the age reportedly of 91. I think the CFL assumed that Gary Stern, his son-in-law and minority owner of the team, would simply assume all ownership of the team, and that has not happened. Uh, Herb Zerkowski, the Montreal Gazette, has done a great job reporting on this story uh, with the contention between Stern, the the son-in-law, and the estate. I think the estate at this point is happy to be rid of the team. The Montreal Alouettes are not a money-making enterprise. They haven't been for at least a decade, I believe. And even at their peak, they were not turning over amazing profits back when the Wetton Halls owned the team during its glory years of, of the 2000s and the very early 2010s when Anthony Calvillo and Ben Cahoon and all those guys who are now in the Hall of Fame were in the Grey Cup every year and would win it every you know two or three years. So this is a situation where fortunately I think the league does have a buyer or buyers in mind for this team. I don't think this is going to languish for an entire year, but at this point, I would almost compare the Alouettes to uh, a young young adult who's ended up back in mom and dad's basement again after another failed attempt to finally move out of mom and dad's house. And given that the Montreal Alouettes were the flagship team of this league for a long time after coming back in the late 90s, because they did fold, of course, previously back in the 1980s but for a a franchise that was once a flagship in this league it's disappointing that they're back seemingly at square one let's just hope that the next owners of the montreal Alouettes pan out a lot better than sid spiegel and gary stern the alouettes uh you know winning all those great cups with anthony calvillo you know that there's certainly a fan base there but haven't had that stable uh ownership um, just overall on free agency, is there a team that you think has made huge improvements? But can any team out there, are they even, I mean, the Bombers far and away best team during the regular season. Do you think anyone has closed the gap as we move ahead to a 2023 kickoff? That's a spectacular question. I think the Edmonton Elks are a lot better than they were a season ago. They've gone out and completely retooled that receiving core. They brought in Eugene Lewis. They brought in Stephen Dunbar. They've brought in Kyron Moore. The offensive line, I don't think was a problem there. Taylor Cornelius will have to take another step, but I know they remain high on him. His mobility, I think, was fully on display this past year. If he can have those elite targets to throw to and and keep moving around behind the line of scrimmage, I think that's a big plus. They've also done some things to help shore up that defense at at least a little bit though. Chris Jones from a schematic standpoint is as good as anybody in the league when it comes to game planning on that side of the ball. I think they'll be better. I also think the Saskatchewan rough riders will be better. I don't think either team, by the way, has done enough to close the gap with Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg is still the number one team to beat in the West division. But when you look at the Saskatchewan rough riders, adding Philip Blake along the offensive line, adding Trevor Harris to the backfield, uh, along with with some good defensive ads. I mean, they, they added Micah Johnson for a third go-around along the defensive line. Micah Johnson is not a spring chicken anymore, but he was an East Division All-Star this past year for a reason. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame. So to me, those two teams have done enough work to at least be more competitive 
2023 than they were in 2024. As for, I'll highlight another West Division team, the BC Lions. I love the addition of Michael Couture, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, second-round pick out of Simon Fraser in 2016. As their new center, I think center's been a bit of a, a soft spot, frankly, on their starting lineup for a while. Couture is going to settle that right away. Of course, the issue with BC, with all due respect to Vernon Adams Jr., is there's no way they're going to be as good at quarterback in 2023 as they were in 2022 with Nathan Rourke under center. Rourke, of course, now with the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL, and I don't think there's any chance he'll be back in the CFL. I think even if he gets cut by the Jags, he's going to wait around for at least a year and see what else is available to him in the NFL before coming up back north if that opportunity arises so i like what a lot of other teams have done hamilton has been extremely quiet today though they have reportedly made several agreements they're just not official yet at this point calgary i think must have some more coming because they've lost a ton of pieces on their defense their only reported signing at this point is julian Hauser, defensive end formerly of the hamilton tiger cats so to me there is more of a power balance in the west division than there has been in a little while we'll have to wait and see to the regular season starts to see the degree to which the bottom feeders have caught up to the rest of the division. Definitely. And as we uh, wrap up here, John, any other any other thoughts about the Bombers activity? It seems like everything's uh, pretty much set. I, we do see in chat, you know, every day people commenting on the kicking situation, but it seems like they're pretty comfortable where they're at. Yeah, so I, I hear a lot of people uh, degrade, frankly, Mark Leggio, <laughs> the second-year kicker out of Western, and I've seen people suggest, oh, well, they just need to go and get the best kicker out of U-Sports. Or, oh, this team just needs to go find an American. And I understand that the fans in Winnipeg were spoiled with Justin Medlock for many years. Justin Medlock, in my opinion, the greatest kicker in CFL history. Newsflash for anybody who doesn't know, the best kicker in the history of U-Sports is Mark Leggio. Finding a kicker is not an automatic thing. Kickers do not grow on trees. There are kickers available in the global draft, but we have to remember there's 32 NFL teams. There are USFL teams. There are XFL teams. There are a bunch of leagues who are taking on kickers who might have otherwise come to the CFL. And U Sports, by the way, this year in the draft is extremely shallow at the kicker position. There's a couple of guys who might get looks but it is not a, a kicker deep draft. So I understand the frustration with Mark Leggio missing a couple of big kicks this past season. I will point out he did make a heck of a game winner for the Labor Day Classic at Mosaic Stadium, which, by the way, the Riders have subsequently pointed to as the reason their season went off the rails. They've said, yeah, losing on Labor Day kind of broke our spirit. So if Mark Leggio broke the spirit of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, maybe he should get a little more credit from, from Bomber fans than he does. But the other thing I'll say quickly before we're done is this is the oldest team in the CFL, the Bombers. I've been, I mean, I still think they're the best team in the CFL, but I have been a little bit critical of this team for maybe not getting a little bit younger this offseason. They're, they're basically bringing the band back together. Michael Couture, by the way, Yes, he's a six-year veteran, but he was also the second youngest member of the offensive line, at least at the starting group. He's now gone, and his replacement, Chris Kolonkowski, is older than he is. At least Mark Leggio, as much as he struggled at times, first of all, he does three jobs, punting, kicking, kickoffs, and he is at least young, right? Mark Leggio, I believe, is 25. He could be in this league for another 10 or 15 years, the way kickers go, so... The Bombers have lost a few key pieces. In my opinion, they should have tried to get a little bit younger this offseason. 
but it's hard to argue with the success that they've had over the last three years. They've been to three straight Grey Cups. They've won two. They came darn close to winning a third straight, and I wouldn't bet against them to win it all again in 2023, especially with the addition of Kenny Lawler. Yeah, I'm looking at the cool belt lines. Bombers, the favorite to win the Grey Cup, plus 215. Next closest, BC, plus 500. Then you got Toronto and Hamilton in there as well. Well, John, thank you so much for making the time today. I know it's a busy day for you on CFL Free Agency. The signings coming in uh, was at 11 a.m., so everything made official. So, again, appreciate it, and uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. There he is, John Hodge. Follow him on Twitter at John. D. Hodge, 3downnation.com. They're also on YouTube if you want to give them uh, a sub as well. We're winding down the show. We'll get to the cool belt lines. Some notes coming up. If anyone wants to shout out any topics in chat, we can do that. It's you know my last day here in the chair. Hustler's back tomorrow. But uh, I'll throw it to Hustler. He's got a couple you know messages, and then uh, we'll wind it down here with some cool belt lines. Uh, all right, here he is. If you're looking to add beer to the menu, make it Winnipeg's finest local beer, Little Brown Jug. You can pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and check out all your favorites, including the new Good Times Variety Pack with three with four new beers. Or you can find Little Brown Jug around the city wherever they sell good beer. And don't forget, you can go online, littlebrownjug.ca, and order online for citywide delivery. And a big shout out to our friends, Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Talking Niverville Nighthawks yesterday in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Of course, before and after anything in Niverville, you can pop by the Nick and Nikki DQ right there. And then three others in Winnipeg, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's. Try the two cheese, bacon, double stack burger, my personal favorite. All those great blizzard treats. And you can also hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you want to get a custom order for an ice cream or blizzard cake for an event coming up, thanks again to Nick and Nikki for their great support of WST. There he is. Hustler doing such a fantastic job. And he was in chat here boarding, you know, right before boarding his plane. I said he could hop in on his phone. Um, I'll get to a couple things here before we get to the cool bet lines i did see on twitter the jets doing such a great job on social media announcing this year's bobblehead shortly after the show yesterday kyle connor it's his turn unique feature about the bobblehead as it loads that it's got what look at this it's got this hair coming out of the back look at this hair i've never seen a bobblehead with hair i think it's got some likeness you know it's got made sure they got the sponsor logos in there, but March, get your tickets right now. Monday, March 6th against the San Jose Sharks. Hey, that's right after the trade. Maybe you'll get to see some new acquisitions too. But Kyle Connor, bobblehead, his turn. I love, love this. We had the fishing hellbuck one. Now this one's got a little flow. I think flow, that's the term. Uh, that's the term. Um, hey, in terms of you know, these are some non sports news, I guess this is kind of, I don't know, kind of sports, soccer. Um, Ted Lasso season three. I don't know if anyone's Ted Lasso fans announced March 15th. Uh, that is on the Apple streaming service. I'm a Ted Lasso guy. I think it maybe, I don't know. I think I was in a bit early. You know, I liked it before it was popular. Now everyone's doing Ted Lasso 
memes on on Twitter. So I think I will be in for the ride. It's an easy watch. It does have some sports, some sports stuff. But uh, I, I'm a Ted Lasso. I'll I'll say that I'm looking forward to it starting. I will watch uh, with my wife. And no spoilers in chat. Yeah, no spoilers. Definitely no spoilers. There was some big concert news for Winnipeg, and I was I know a lot of people are going to be fired up to see this one. I didn't think that this would ever happen. I know they've been trying for a long time. Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band coming to Canada Life Center Friday, November 10, uh, 2023. I'm, I didn't think that they'd play arenas. They're doing a Canada arena tour. I saw Calgary, two nights in Toronto, uh, among other. Ottawa was in there. Um, so the Canada Life Center tweeting it out. You're going to have to sign up to what? Be a verified fan. I'm curious about how the tickets are going to go. We know about the Taylor Swift. Uh, fiasco with their concert that led to with some stuff with Congress or whatever. We're stuck with Ticketmaster, uh, so sign up to be a verified fan. Tickets, what registration will close uh, February 19. When are the tickets on sale? Wednesday, February 22, at 10 a.m. So I've never seen, uh, I've never seen Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen, and I'm actually not even the biggest fan, but some of my friends are. But I think this would be a show. You'd want to go to it. I have, I have complained here on this program that we don't get a lot of big shows. This is definitely a huge one. And I see VA uh, split writing in chat about ticket pricing. I'm assuming I'm going to have to start saving now uh, to start playing with them. And then, yeah, Rob Mahoney also shouts out to, uh, they're no longer Dixie Chicks. They're just the Chicks now, but I'm not. I like Natalie Maines, but I'm not. I think it was Marin Morris, I guess, if you're in that to that genre. That is a big show, too. But I'm talking about the big, uh, the big rock shows. And reading the chat, uh, the, oh yeah, K- Russ Lowen says the Bombers just announced Kenny Lawler will be at IG Field signing autographs from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. They did t- tease someone. I saw they teased on Valentine's Day. That's pretty cool. Kenny Lawler, I think he's pumped. They posted the video of him and Nick Dembski doing their handshake. Uh, so Kenny Lawler, he feels comfortable here. I think he's going to have a big season. Still waiting on where Rashid Bailey is going to go. There was some NFL news coming out of the Super Bowl. I just saw this. So the quarterback carousel is starting. Uh, they, they cut Derek Carr. Now, I've been doing this show. I have no idea what it means for the salary cap. I think he was owed a lot of money. But uh, they did cut. They released him before the deadline. So um, before it was before. They owed him more than $40 million guaranteed, so they did cut him. And curious where he ends up landing, rumors with the Saints, uh, you know, who becomes the quarterback in Las Vegas. We will wait and see on that one. And I'll bring up the cool belt lines here. Jets, Kraken. As I read the chat, uh, Waiter says, all the fans with the Kenny Lawler jersey are happy. That's right. And look, I... I'm going to be honest. I, I mean, I don't really care if you have a jersey with a traded player. Uh, I, I love traded player jerseys. They're my favorite. You can get them, get them at a discount. And who cares if they don't play? It's the jersey from that season, that snapshot in time. It's kind of like a picture. Looking at the lines, a lot of games, nine games tonight. The Jets and the Kraken, I'll focus on this one. The Jets are favorites, minus 132. The Kraken... You want to go with the narrative, last game of a long road trip for Seattle. The Jets, they're rested after their break. 
goal scoring props. Uh, I think these are always fun to pick. Nikolai Ehlers plus 185. Blake Wheeler, he scored two plus 300 down there. Uh, how about Josh Morrissey? He had one, a nice, a beautiful backhand, plus 450. Can he do it two games in a row? Uh, Cole Perfetti, plus 400. Those are some longer shots. Uh, so there there you go with, with those. Looking at the other games around the league this evening. Scrolling up to the lots. Uh, Chicago at Montreal. That's uh, not exactly a great game. Carolina at Washington. New Jersey at Columbus. Columbus plus 180. New Jersey minus 214 favorites. Columbus sitting uh, Gavrikov as they're looking to make a trade. Uh, Senators, Islanders, minus 207. Islanders, their favorite. Uh, Blues hosting the Panthers. Ooh, and then we got uh, Boston and Dallas. Man, Dallas has had two tough. They had played uh, Tampa over the weekend. Now they have to host Boston. That's a tough stretch. And they are home dogs, plus 106 for Dallas. Boston favorites, minus 124. And how about this? A rematch of the cup final, Lightning Avalanche. Man, this, that's a good one, too. Avalanche, home dogs as well, plus 106. Lightning road favorites, minus 124. And the Penguins and the Sharks. Sharks, plus 135. Penguins, minus 159. And uh, we did have... Those are my notes. I got to get rid of that. We did have uh, some, but the Kevin Weeks dropping uh, the news before the show in terms of trade deadlines saying the Devils, Rangers, Canes, and Maple Leafs, significant interest in Timo Meyer. Uh, keep an eye on Vitaly Kravtsov. You'd get a third round pick for him. And Gavrikov taking a seat. I mentioned that. And oh, yeah, sorry. The other one from Kevin Weeks was Barbashev drawing interest for a first or second in prospect, and I did see, shout out to Nick Linham on Twitter, who's just retweeting what, what Frank Cervalli said, saying the Jets, you know, could be interested in Barbashev, and he, Cervalli floating out the idea that they would give up Hanola, Appleton, and a second round pick for Barbashev, who's a UFA, that seemed a bit rich to me for a UFA. I don't know if you need to add in all those pieces. I thought a second rounder would get it done. I think if you're trading away Billy Hainel, you better be getting back uh, someone someone who's pretty good. So, um, anyways, this trade speculation continues. We did have the Dustin Bufflin speculation. So, uh, it'll, I'm sure it'll keep going as we approach uh, the trade deadline. Um, anyways, we are winding it down. I do have to give a big thank you. I didn't thank them off the start of the show to our sponsors, Manitoba Battery, Wallace and Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, F Apparel, Culligan Water, Princess Auto, Nick and Nikki DQ, Little Brown Jug, and Canadian Club. And also thank you, big thank you to our guests, Rob Simpson, Dave Poulin, Mike McIntyre, and John Hodge bringing some great information. Thank you to all you guys in chat who came out, made this a fun show. And if you're still here, uh, well, if you're watching a replay, leave a comment down below. What do you think the Jets should do at the deadline? Uh, we're always taking, taking people's thumbs. Or what did you think of Dustin Bufflin uh, photographed in hockey equipment? And if you're still here, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, turn on the notifications. really helps us um, you know, tell YouTube we got great content. It'll be recommended to more people. and you're not yet subscribed on podcast, go subscribe on, on iTunes, rate and review. You know, podcast listeners do the YouTube stuff 
you know, if you haven't checked us out, another way to listen and YouTube viewers, check us out on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate everyone in chat saying, great job. It's your boy Bruce says you went from caterpillar to butterfly. Excellent job, but thank you. Um, you know, I hosted two weeks ago, uh, Saturday or Monday when Hustler came back and I hadn't hosted for a while. It's not like riding a bike. I didn't get back on and go right away. So these last two getting more comfortable as we go. Um, I do enjoy seeing what people have to say in chat. Um, MC Stormy says, don't forget Piper. Yes. How can we forget Mike McIntyre and Piper? Uh, Mike breaking down Axel being clearing waivers while Piper is sniffing his neck. You're going to want to see that on, on YouTube. And I'm enjoying all the VA splits. Says, nice job. Yeah, Kevin Kowalik says, no Chiefs talk. Yeah, you guys, you guys should be thanking me because, you know, if Hustler was here on Monday, it would have been Chiefs 24-7. We Chiefs 24-7 on the show, or sorry, for two hours. No, we did touch on the Jets. I am looking forward to a Jets. Jets. Hopefully a Jets win tonight because it's always more fun. We do have more people in chat after a win than a loss. Uh, Running Man says, I was great. Thank you, Running Man. I do enjoy seeing you. It's your boy Bruce says, the Dustin Brown statue. Uh, that was unveiled on the weekend. Adrian Kempe with the hat trick during that. And, and Derek Schmidt says, you're comfy just in time for us to come back, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what? There's so much. I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm always so rushed. There's so much stuff that I, I can't do because it's just me. Like, I don't have any of the graphics on the show. I didn't cut any Rick Bonus clips. I do have some stuff going on at home too, affect, affecting that. So um, I am looking forward to having Hus, Hus back for sure. David Zerk says, get ready to mute us tomorrow, uh, Michael. Yes. And Waiter says, four goals for Kempe. Sorry, I thought it was a, a hat trick. And Eagle Eye says, imagine Hus won dollars if he went straight to Vegas. Yeah, I mean, he had Mahomes MVP he posted. I know he had some futures on Kansas City, so it, it went. Phil says you did great. Thank you. MC Stormy says you've been killing it since Friday. I guess I did three shows, not two. And what else do we got? And Mary Jane says I did a great job. And Rob Mahoney wanted me to mention Wayne Simmons. Yeah, he got put on waivers today by Toronto. And you know, my memories of Wayne of Wayne Simmons are him with the Flyers scoring big goals against the Jets. And Running Man says the Remus Ranch should be featured every Monday at the end of the show. I think that I think I try to get it in every show at the end. We try to talk about fun stuff. I did enjoy that I got to put in the Bruce Springsteen concert. Now that's a big one. The Bruce Springsteen, really big. I guess the chicks too. I saw that. I'm not a big I'm not going to that one. Bruce Springsteen, I'll I'll see, depending on what the ticket prices are. I already shelled out uh, for Eagles. I was uh, I needed to see them. I don't know if I need to see Bruce Springsteen, but I would really like to. I'm not a huge not a huge Springsteen guy, but uh, gotta respect the boss. Anyways, before we get more off topic, I gotta get this podcast up in time for everyone who does listen to the podcast. We appreciate all those listeners too. Uh, again, T. Will says I gotta work on my endings. I agree. I do. Anyways, uh, thank you everyone. The chatters, the guests, the sponsors. We're looking forward to the Jets game tonight. And we will see you here tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central Time on YouTube and after on podcasts. Uh, all right. See you later. And bye-bye. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. 
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.